I'm Claire Edwards, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership, a series of conversations, insights, and inspirations with leaders who are real, raw, and authentic. I have no doubt that you'll be engaged from the get-go as I bring you a conversation about leading with both influence and integrity that I had with Bill Sullivan of Salesforce. In the true spirit of authenticity, Bill lets us into both his professional and personal life, sharing stories of his experiences in the military and how leaders and mentors who inspired him have influenced his leadership philosophy. From tours of duty in Afghanistan to leading and inspiring a team in the commercial world, enjoy your time with Sully. Bill Sullivan's personal journey and impressive career epitomise the essence of resilience and thriving in challenge and change. Sully served in various leadership capacities as a jet and helicopter pilot in the United States Air Force for 24 years, 13 of which were flying a Pavehawk helicopter in a search and rescue role. He also completed four combat tours in the Middle East as a member of the Air Combat Command and and Air Force Special Operations Command. When I first met Bill, it was in the capacity of a fellow speaker with a common interest, actually passion, about resilience. And what started to emerge for me, though, was how Bill was communicating with me. I could see and experience how influential he was and at the same time a person of absolute integrity and ethics so whilst there could be so many different topics I could interview Bill on it's this one as the influential leader Um, I believe a trait that is probably still quite rare and you know we're recording this in the in the time of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, one that I believe is absolutely necessary. Bill now lives in Australia uh, with his lovely family and is a senior sales manager with Salesforce. Bill, welcome to Authentic Leadership. Thanks so much, Claire. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Oh, not as excited as I am, I tell you. (laughs) So listen, Bill, I mean, before we actually dive into our topic, you know, just going from from the introduction, I suspect that our listeners are already as curious as I am to find out more about how on earth you transitioned from being a jet and helicopter pilot in the military to a corporate career and in in a sales capacity, um, I'm sure there must be some correlations there somewhere. So I'm just going to shut up and hand over to you. Sure. And that is an interesting one. And and so it actually goes back to my Aussie wife. We met in Tokyo back in 1998. And um, we basically agreed at that point that I still had, um, at that point, about 16 years left of active duty service till I could retire to the Air Force. So it may as well have been a prenuptial agreement um, that she'd agree to <laughs> kind of follow me around till I could retire. And then, and then we'd make the ultimate move to Sydney. So um, back in 2014, I kind of kept my promise there and made the move here to Australia as kind of a one-way ticket. And it's been a wonderful uh, transition in many ways. But part of that was like, okay, I finished my first half professionally, and what am I going to try to do with my second half? And there was basically two things I loved about my time in the Air Force. One was flying. And um, that, though, I felt a degree of closure when I retired. I, I kind of got through my experiences there in one piece mentally and physically and mm-hmm. kind of felt like I didn't necessarily want to press my luck there. Um, so um what was the other thing that I absolutely loved? It was people leadership. So I'm like, okay, how do I kind of try to replicate that side of things? And, and what I found interestingly is probably 90% of the skills that I developed through the years as a, as a commander in the air force translated very directly to leading a team in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Uh, So thinking about the air force, Mm-hmm. And the corporate world, mm-hmm. you know, pe- people leadership, leading, leading with integrity, leading with values. Mm-hmm. There must be times when you've been challenged in in a corporate sphere compared to, I suppose, and I'm mind reading here, the discipline yeah. and and the 
absolute values of the military. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, there is, you know, and people ask me this a lot, like, gosh, you know, didn't you just like kind of give out orders in the military and, and people just kind of followed along? And although we have that, you know, kind of tool in the tool bag, if we need to, you're never mm-hmm. going to be an effective leader if you're if you're relying on orders and military hierarchy to, to you know, kind of influence your team. It really comes down to the, the same fundamental values where you're trying to motivate and inspire people to want to kind of follow you. And, and in as much... Yeah. Yes. And sometimes it's, you know, you could argue that it's harder because you don't have that kind of hierarchical um, kind of requirement by the Uniform Code of Military Justice. But I, I can't remember a single time in my 24 years in the Air Force that I said, this is an order. Um, it was always one of those deals where you just tried to, again, to, to try to lead a team in such a fashion that they wanted to kind of follow you into battle or, you know, to just accomplish what you're trying to achieve in the corporate world. So, so, you know, there, there are elements that are, you know, kind of unique, but I'd say there's the vast majority of them are the same. And, and, and it's just trying to, again, rally a team around a common cause and, and get to know each kind of person on your team individually, figure out kind of what motivates mm. them and help them help them get, you know, to, to achieve their personal and professional goals um, to the max extent possible. So again, although there is some elements of it that's unique, I'd say the vast, vast majority of um, kind of the lessons learned and the leadership methodologies have translated very directly. Yeah. Mm. So it sounds like the thread that that's running through this is, is democratized leadership. That, that, that it's a that, collaborative that, form of leadership. Uh, that's absolutely fair. And and I think the, the whole concept of it, and that's another interesting thing that I think is a misnomer from the military that everything is more almost dictatorial, like do this mm. because I'm a lieutenant colonel or what have you. I, I found that to be absolutely not the case. It's um, one of those deals that, you know, I, I operated a you know, as you mentioned, for 13 years of my career, a crew helicopter, we had a co-pilot, we had an aerial gunner, we had a flight engineer, we had um, two to three pararescue men in the back of the aircraft. And yes, there were times as the aircraft commander where I had to make a decisive, immediate decision. But more frequently, I had the opportunity to solicit inputs from my entire crew, and I would kind of compile those inputs and make an ultimate decision. And mm-hmm. I you know, tried to utilize that same technique in, in the way I operate with my team in the sales capacity where whenever possible, when we're trying to guide the team in a certain direction, I solicit inputs from the team. And then, and then we kind of come up with a a solution after, after we've kind of all put our heads together. Yeah. I'm thinking about that in terms of, in terms of decision-making and, and that sort of ethical influencing where yes, you know, the buck, the buck stops with you, but you have to bring these people with you. Do you have any examples from, firstly, from your, your, your military career and then more recently in your corporate career where mm-hmm. you've, you've had to deal with someone who is really strongly resisting a decision that has to be made or a direction that people are taking? And how, what was the process that you used to go about ensuring that inclusion but still the decision mm-hmm. had to be made. Absolutely. And and it's it's it was interesting. Probably the, the first example that comes to mind is when I first started as a sales leader. Um, I had a unique transition where the very first corporate role I had was as a, a corporate director or, or a commercial director. Um, so I was leading a team of sales professionals that many of them had been in the career field for 10 or 15 years. So it was trying to... I guess, establish a degree of credibility in a career mm. path that I hadn't really had the background in, you know? So, so really there is, I, I can think of a couple guys in, the, in particular that there was a degree of resistance initially, but really what it stemmed um, kind of led it back to is, is respect and, and mutual respect and trying to establish upfront that, Hey, I, I'm not kind of pretended to have the expertise in, in your career field but this is what I can bring to the fold. And, and, and it was oftentimes, again, about trying to knock down barriers that they were in this thing mm. together and, and just trying to establish that uh, up front that, again, this isn't, 
uh, us working, you know, kind of in two separate silos, but rather we're, we're a team working through these challenges in a, in a unified fashion, I guess, you know. So so once we, you know, kind of broke through that initial barrier of, of okay, wait a sec, this this individual didn't work his way up through my career field, but he can bring kind of a unique perspective to the challenges I face. We, we ended up working very effectively together. And, and in as much, that's kind of, I think, one of the fun parts of leadership, but one of the very large challenges is everybody's wired differently. So how do you appeal yeah. to their individual needs, but still create an overall kind of culture and ethos around the, the wider team. So, so that was really one of the biggest challenges I faced personally was establishing that credibility when it wasn't a linear career path I had to, to get to my position. Oh, that's so important. And I think, you know, when, when certainly from, from my perspective, when I've had a boss or a leader who is sort of ticking the boxes on inclusion and and it's like you can you can just read through it's not it's not ethical influencing at all you, you're just trying to manipulate us you sure know, can, no, it's, uh, like, it's like we have a radar for manipulation would you agree oh you can read through that so fast and the other thing i, I that is so important to me is i think people either manage up or manage down. And, and you can kind of see through that pretty quickly too. Um, if you mm. really care more about, you know, impressing your boss, or you truly care about your team. And and what I've always found is if you truly care about your team, you're going to achieve the most for your boss anyway, at the end of the day. But, but like it's, Absolutely. I think team members can see through that. So, so quickly, if you, you know, if the, if the empathy, if the concern, if the, if the care is genuine or not, you know, so that's something that yeah. I, I, you can't fake that. And, and I think if you're, I guess, almost lucky enough to have that at your core, then, then I think team members rally around that as well. If they know that, again, we're in this together. And I think that there's one yeah. overarching thing I've always tried to do is make sure that the, the team realizes that. And again, with what is going on right now, it's never been more important and, and, and making sure that they feel kind of, I don't know, supported through, through such a difficult time. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm really curious about this bill. And actually I did want to say mm -hmm. that when, when we met, that's what came across mm -hmm. to me is your absolute deep caring for your people. Um, it's yeah. just, it's there. It's, you know, you can't, you absolutely can't fake that. But so the current situation is we are, uh, what date are we here today? It's it's the eighth of April. Where we're all sort of still flying blind a little bit. Pardon the the flying pun, but we are flying blind a little bit, and we're trying to get used to the new normal. You're leading a team in an organisation that is still operating. So again, forget forgive my ignorance in here, but you've got teams of people. You've got a a, a great product that your your people need to sell this product and, and, and achieve their targets. And they're in the same sort of crazy situation that we're in. How the heck are you leading them through this? Sure. And it is interesting. One of the big things that we went to was daily catch-ups at, at um, very first thing in the morning. And at first, to be honest, yeah, I had a little bit of resistance with that because there's a little bit of a concern. There is a big brother type of thing. But what mm -hmm. we found is people really were missing that connection. And, and the way we've run the meetings currently is we literally, I don't even get into the meat of it for the first maybe 10 minutes or so. I just get people, it's almost like a virtual coffee, you know, in the morning where yeah. everyone's just trying to, you know, kind of just have those connections that are so, you know, I don't know, almost challenging to maintain in our current environment, you know, and, yeah. and I think that's probably the number one thing is to do our darndest to not lose those human connections. And, and again, to make sure that everyone feels that they are still very much supported, not only from myself, but from their peers. I, I really, mm. another massive thing I believe in, and it's, it's, maybe a little bit cliche, but the, you know, the whole being greater than, the, you know, the individual parts and, and, and just making sure that yeah. everyone very much still feels that in, in the current environment. So that's probably the number one thing I've tried to do is, is maintain that connectivity and the frequent check-ins. Um, you know, some, some organizations have little games they're playing daily and stuff. And, and there's times and places for that. I think we are doing a pub trivia every Friday, which has been kind of fun. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But, but by and large, it's, it's, it's the, it's just that, 
kind of routine connectivity that that we're just so fortunate with modern technology that we had that opportunity to actually yeah. have the you know the the face to face you know uh, virtually of course but but nonetheless to see each other you know we we actually that's another mm. thing that we're making a very conscious effort to we 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 open up our video screens to make sure that again there's that human connection we kind of give each other little tours around the home things like that you know to just oh, make good. sure that that human connection yeah you know the, the, you know there's still very much that human connection that I think Again, to me, when I, I talk about the way I try to lead, like kind of that personal relationship is always at the core of it. And if yeah. we truly care about the people to our right and to our left, we can cover each other's gaps. We can achieve the most in terms of performance at the end of the day. But it's just a heck of a lot more fun to operate, way to operate as well. And again, I don't think it's ever been more challenging, but also I don't think it's ever been more important. Yeah. Actually, I, you know, I, I'd like to just park the 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 topic of influence for a moment because I, I you know you you speak a lot on resilience you have a phenomenal um background story and experience in in how you built your resilience and I'm just wondering how are you using everything that you've learned to be who you are today um Mm-hmm. to to help your team in, to ride this roller coaster what are you using from your own experience to help them build their resilience sure um there's i always talk about you know i kind of referred to the people piece already and the other ones i always talk about are, are it's the three p's for me it's people um process and perspective the process yeah. ones kind of um you know it's just that's what we've been trying to do a lot. And that's the one that's less glamorous, I guess, but it's just making sure you're doing the right things consistently process wise, which again is, is even more important in the virtual world. So that's one of the things I've continued to try to emphasize is, is the routines like um, in, in the current environment. But the one I'd probably like to focus on particularly is, is the perspective piece. And that's the one that I have, I guess the luxury and also the burden of my previous experiences that helped me with that a lot. And it's both personal and professional, I guess Mm -hmm. on the, on the, um, on the personal side, I uh, had a brutal year back in 2010 when I lost my, I lost my mom and my dad and my brother in a, in a nine and a half month period. And I, I allude a lot to that with, with, um, with folks and partially because, you know, some people would prefer to kind of keep that behind them. But for me, it's a chance to kind of honor their memory uh, when I have a chance to talk about mom and dad and Jim and and the influence mm-hmm. they had on me. And and I guess my brother Jim is an ultimate example of this. He was he was the best athlete in our family. He um, held the school pole vault record for a decade. He was an amazing extreme skier, a um, an amazing motorcycle like a, a you know, he, he was just one of those all around studs and wow. two days before his 18th. Yeah. And two, two days before his 18th birthday back in, in 1979, he severed his spinal cord and, and became a quadriplegic. And he was one of those guys that was always so active. He was actually training to be a jet mechanic. He was amazing with his hands. And all of a sudden he didn't have use of his hands anymore and couldn't let alone, he couldn't, couldn't even walk. And he had to reinvent himself. And he, he did, he, he, learned how to drive a specially modified van, drove, you know, 4,000 kilometers across America, went to school in Arizona, um, came back to our hometown in New Hampshire and became a community giant, instituted women's pole vault in our state, became president of the school board and just didn't complain. He, He just was one of those guys that just took the chips that he was dealt and made the most of them and spent the next 30 years in a wheelchair, just, just making a massive difference a massive impact. And then for no good reason, he developed lung cancer at the age of 48 back in 2010 and, and was gone six months later. And it was absolutely devastating to our family. But I, I tell you, he was one of these individuals that just lived his life right and made it impossible for me to ever complain or, you know, in any yeah. way, shape or form. And and he was just the ultimate example to me of what true courage is like and, and positivity and gratefulness and and uh, he's just such an influence to me. So it's really helped me with perspective in that sense. And and I guess on the professional side, in my career as a combat rescue helicopter pilot, 
um, in the 20 years I was an active duty flyer, uh, excuse me, flyer, we lost um, 40, 40 people from my community, uh, 20 of whom were in my immediate unit at the time, whether they were shoot downs or midair collisions or whatever the case may be. And probably equally tragi- tragically, we've lost four of my previous co-workers to the mental injuries they've suffered through suicide since I've been here in Australia. So I guess for me, I, I, I just feel so fortunate that I got through all those experiences kind of mentally and physically in one piece. And, mm-hmm. and it's helped me in terms of perspective. I often say to my team right now, honestly, with the challenges we're facing, no one's shooting at us and uh, no one's likely to perish on, on my team today, you know? So, so that's two things I couldn't say in my last career wow. field, like, you know, um, and, and not to mention my, you know, my, my brother's example in terms of, you know, courage and, and, and positivity and gratefulness that's just afforded me that opportunity for true perspective. So if I had to choose like kind of one key phrase that's helped me, um, it's, it's perspective. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Gosh. Um, mm. um, so, so sorry to hear that. And also, um, it's so inspiring to hear about what, how you're, um, paying honor to his, his legacy. And you've just shared a, a hugely impactful story with us. And I know as often happens on this podcast, we go off on, on tangents from what we were planning to speak about, but the power of, of story, Bill, um, you know, have you, how have you used or how do you use and share stories with your team? And do you encourage them to share their stories? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, one thing I found, I, I um, do these kind of resilience talks fairly frequently. It's one of these things that to me, the the biggest power of it. Well, there's a couple. One is I always try to hopefully have everyone leave with a couple tools to, you know, kind of mm-hmm. attack whatever challenges they face ahead with with a few extra kind of, um, you know, kind of different things that they can use to, you know, face the challenges that that's ahead of them. But equally important to me is I found it's it's opened other people up. And and so many times after after we have a conversation like you and I just had, someone shares something in their own personal life that they've kind of kept bottled up for whatever reason yeah. previously and hadn't felt comfortable to share. And that's something that I take a great deal of pride in is is allowing folks that opportunity to be authentic, to to kind of share um, kind of you know, what's inside uh, a little bit more than yeah. they may have felt empowered to do otherwise. And that's probably the biggest thing for me that I found is, is beneficial about being, you know, kind of open with, with the challenges that, that we faced in the past. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I tell you when, when, when I've, when I've had that opportunity to tell these stories and people have shared things that they were struggling with otherwise it, it just is so gratifying to me because i'm like okay there's there's a point to the things we're trying to do here mm. oh hugely i mean you're you're role modeling what i call courageous vulnerability you, you you're giving them permission um to be their authentic selves as well and you know i think this is one of the pillars of, of 21st century leadership is it's not necessarily about leaving your emotions at the door because it's the whole person who comes to work and, and, you know, the whole person who needs to be considered. Absolutely. You know, and, and again, it's, I talk about moments of kind of gratefulness for me when you, you've been able to help people. And it's interesting when we were kind of, you and I were discussing the different kind of ways we want to go with this conversation. One of the questions mm-hmm. you had asked me about was an example where, it was a challenge to be, I guess, leading with integrity kind of one at the end of the day and where it wasn't easy um, to go there. And it actually yeah. made me think, if you, if you don't mind, I'll share a, kind of a story along those lines that I'm I hadn't thought about in a too. long time. And it was it was back in, let me get the year right. It was 2002. So we had just mm-hmm. basically September 11th had happened kind of recently. And we found ourselves over in Kandahar, Afghanistan executing the um the combat rescue mission for downed fighter pilots and or men or women that were injured in firefights and needed a ride home and i was sitting there in the tactical operations center in kandahar 
And my commanding officer was based in Karchi Kanabad, Uzbekistan. And he called me with the news that one of my, the members of my team's father had, had passed away um, kind of unexpectedly. And we were in this tactical operations center in, 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 in Afghanistan there. And he's like, can you hand the phone to this individual? And I said, no, I, I'm not going to have you tell him his dad died in front of 30 people here with no idea how he's going to react. And, and it was a, yeah. it was a really kind of almost heated discussion. He's like, I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the commander here. I need to do this. I'm like, no, I, I need to do this. This is, this is my, my guy, my friend. I know I'm second in command over here right now, but I need to do this. And, and mm-hmm. we had a bit of a back and forth and he eventually agreed to give me that opportunity. And it was one of the most difficult things I ever did, but one of the most important things I ever did. And uh, I, I, I just remember so distinctly pulling this gentleman to the side and, and, you know, we went for a walk and I just turned around and then I said, you know, we, we lost, we lost your father today. And he, he wrote me recently in the past year about it. This is like, that would have been 18 years ago now. And he's mm-hmm. like, he just, he was, he was really thankful. And, and he just said, I'll never forget that moment. And he said in the moment he, he actually wanted he wanted to punch me. He said, you know, he's, he's just so overcome with emotion. He didn't want to hear that word, but that his dad had died. But he, uh, he was so genuinely thankful that I just like, I, I, I you know, I just gave him that, that moment to process it with yeah. just the two of us. And, and we just hugged each other. And, and, and it was, I don't know, it, it was an example to me of just, you have these moments in your life where you have, you know, it can go a couple different ways and you have to try mm-hmm. to, with all the things that you've learned through your life, how to handle these situations. And and that was one where I think everything that I had learned about it through to my life to that point, kind of, you have these moments where you have to kind of hearken upon <laughs> everything you've learned. And that was one for me where kind of trying yeah. to, you know, to try to be an influential leader and lead with integrity was kind of really important. Um, and, and I just want to share that, that story with you as, as an example of that in, in my, in my life. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. And what Mm. I'm hearing is a decision that you had to make and you drew on your values and, Mm. and your values superseded any form of, of, you know, hierarchy or, 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 or process that you're supposed to adhere to. And I suppose this is um, um, an appropriate time to ask you that, you know, in, in, we're, we're living in, in a bit of a crazy time at the moment. We have, we have uh, no previous benchmark to go on. This is, this is new for, for so many of us. You know, how, how do you maintain your integrity? How do you continue to draw on your values and beliefs in a time that is so tumultuous, what do you, I want to flip the lid on your brain and your mind. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's easy. And I think we may have alluded to this earlier, but it's easy to talk resilience when everything's going smooth and, and, and easy to, you know, talk Mm -hmm. about these concepts when everything's going well. But I just think it's so essential to go back to your core beliefs and your core values in times like this. And, and whatever mantras you use, whatever your motivations are, they get you out of bed on Monday morning to attack this for another week. I just think it's, it's literally a conscious effort to go back to those and revisit them in a very mindful way. Mm. And, and, I think that's really what it comes down to is, is it's, it's not necessarily going to be intuitive in the current environment for you to kind of be able to stick with what's worked for you in, in, in the day-to-day life when things are cruising along as per normal. Mm. And, and so I, I would say to your point, it's, it's mindfulness. It's, it's, it's going back to what your core values or beliefs are and consciously mm-hmm. kind of thinking about them and, and in a very, you know, in a very real way and, and kind of building your, your days around that. Um, interestingly enough, yeah. this is something that was shared with one of my former colleagues in the military that in some ways our lives right now are a little bit like being in the deployed in the war zone and in and, and that particularly in the rescue community, we had these really intense moments where we were, you know, going into combat to, to pull someone out. 
but most of the time we were just sitting there on alert on the base and, and every day was mm. kind of groundhog day, you know, and we didn't really have much of a difference between Tuesdays and Saturdays or whatever. Um, so it was, how do you balance making each day count while still keeping one eye on the light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> um, and, and, you know, being yeah. so like looking forward to, you know, gosh, when life gets back to normal and you can, and you can do all the things that you enjoy. And, and I think there's so many parallels to what we're going through right now, because I think it's important to, man, man, I can't wait to be able to hug my buddy again and, and, mm. you know, go to the, go to the footy game, whatever the case may be. Mm. But then I think that's equally balanced with, okay, how do I make today count? How do I make this this day that's not a whole lot different than yesterday in many ways i'm still going to be sitting in my living room <laughs> by and large how how do i make that mm. you know matter i guess you know so so that that's i think the key thing here is just to be mindful of your core values and beliefs and try to apply those to the max extent possible to whatever you have going on that day yeah it, it, it's that's so interesting because um i just posted an article this morning on LinkedIn about my business partner, Anne, who sort of had a had a huge battle with an ice cream last night <laughs> and this whole <laughs> thing around, um, you know, oh, bugger it. Let's just drink the wine and eat the high carbs and and, and, and give in to this sort of thing. Let's yeah. just binge on Netflix. And, <laughs> but I think, you know, and, and, and there is a balance between giving yourself permission to get used to the new normal but i think you know what what you're saying is so important is that you know this day today is another day i've been gifted on this planet how can i absolutely. make the most of it it's it's yeah. absolutely the case and what, what you allude to there in terms of balance i think is essential as well too because i think in it, the, the reality is we're in a weird ex existence right now so to occasionally give yourself permission to have that tub. Mm. I think I did have a tub of Hagen Dazs in, in, in two day setting there <laughs> recently or whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, um, you know, sometimes to do, to do things like that, I think you're important too, you know, but it's it, like so many things in life. I think it's, it's a balance for sure. Mm. Wow. Um, that mm. was, uh, that was a wonderful detour. Thank you. Um, right on. I just going, cruising back towards, towards influence. It's really interesting when I, when I hear the word influence, I I just mm -hmm. tend to automatically default to the negative. Now we're we're both speakers, and sure. you know in 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 Australia you have a lot of what they call platform speakers. So they speakers who are selling from the stage, and and it's like they've just devoured Robert Cialdini's Principles of Influence book. You know, it's like this offer is only available today for the first five people who run to the back of the room, and we'll give you a. 99% discount on a severely inflated price or something like that. Um, sure. How can you help me to reframe that perception of influence? Because I don't like, I don't like having that connection in my brain between influence and manipulation. What does it mean to you, Bill? Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you mentioned that, there's absolutely that connotation that I, I, you know, tend to lean towards sometimes. The other one is more around, I immediately turn to my mentors and my role models. And, and for me, it's, it's, it's a, a short list of folks that really helped me to kind of be the best version of myself, both personally and professionally through the years. And man, I, you know, going all the way back to my, my dad, my, my dad was a, um, all the things I end up loving as a young man. He was he was a pilot for 20 years as well. He he loved football and and music and and sports and and all these things that became who I was. Motorcycles, everything everything that I kind of dug mm -hmm. as a young man was trying to be like my dad, like you know. And 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 he was just someone I so much looked up to. And then I think of uh, you know a, a gentleman that was just a couple years older than me at university um, when I was at the Air Force Academy that I tried to emulate and learn from and 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 just different bosses through the years too that I was like, wow, those are people that I want to try to be like. And and mm. that to me is, you know, what I kind of hearken hearken back to when when I'm trying to be the best leader I can be is is what yeah. were the the kind of the skill sets that these individuals espoused that I valued so much and, and tried to remember those and, and to the max extent, 
although I'll never be those individuals to, to take little bits and pieces from each of them and, mm. and hopefully become the best leader I can be, you know, at, at the end of the day. And, and that's really the biggest thing I do, you know, with the different opportunities I've had to, to join you for events, Claire, I've, I've learned something from each of them and, 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 and I've tried to be a better leader as a result of those. And, and that's mm. the thing, if you, if you have the luxury of being around other quality leaders, there, there's little little things you can take from each of them. And, and that's that's the thing that I think about when I think of influence is what mattered to me from my mentors and role models and made me better. And how can I take yeah. take those and put them together and become the most effective leader I can be? And uh, as such a good reminder to us all, what and what, um, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot here, but what are some of the qualities that your dad had that your Air Force mm-hmm. Academy mentor mm-hmm. had? What were some of the qualities that they had that influenced you to be the best person that you could be? What was it about them? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there's, man, there's so many, but, and this is funny, this is one of the other questions that we had kind of discussed earlier, but I think they espouse them. So it kind of naturally segues in that a little bit is like the, 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 the key things that they had um, that I think are probably the most important things in terms of being an influential leader are the, the values of uh, surrounding trust and integrity. Um, so, so if I had to pick kind of a couple key things, those would be them and they had them in spades. And, and that's if they did the kind of the right things consistently. They, they were people that were just unabashedly pure in, in, in the way that they operated both, both in their kind of day-to-day lives and, and, and in the way they carried themselves in the workplace. Um, and it just set such a, such an awesome example. And you knew exactly what you're going to get there. The other thing yeah. is they both, um, they both put a lot of trust in me and, and, and gave me the opportunity to, I guess, be, you know, just give it a go, I guess, in many ways. And, and Mm -hmm. I just think that's such an important thing as, as a leader. Um, I speak a lot about the trust that we needed to have each other, uh, in each other in the helicopter. Um, there is, there's something called the one wheel hover where we were doing a rescue mission on like the side of a ridge, for example, and there wasn't a landing zone large enough to set down the entire helicopter. Oftentimes we'd execute these missions in the middle of the night with, with night vision goggles and, and oftentimes under fire. So it was just, uh, you know, if, you know, for example, if it was a one wheel hover with the left side of the aircraft, the aircraft commander actually sits in the right side of the bird. We literally couldn't see what the heck was going on over there. And we literally had our lives in the hands of the scanner. He, He would call us, you know, back to down, three left one to, to a spot. And, and if we didn't have unequivocal trust in him, we would hit the side of the mountain, you know? And, and so My that, that kind of, const- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, 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 it's pretty wild to think back on that because these, this concept of unequivocal trust stems back again from my childhood with my dad, but it was kind of, kind of just, it, it grew in, in, in terms of what I needed to be able to do in in my career in in my career as a helicopter pilot so so back to your original point these people had that in spades and Mm. it was integrity and trust was kind of the cornerstone of of you know what you know what i valued so much in them and the the other thing too and i kind of alluded to this a couple times is i just felt with them and with a couple other leaders them thinking about through the years is they really try to do what was what was you know, kind of best for me. And, and, and they weren't afraid um, if it was a little bit outside the box. I can remember another leader um, when I was, this is, you know, when it was, it was when I lost my family members and it was back in 2010. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of one tour left in the military. So basically we would do like three-year tours. And at the time I was living in Hawaii and most of my family was uh, kind of located in and around Washington, D.C., and I just remember calling my old boss who was, who was based in DC. Um, we had been stationed together many years prior and I'm like, my helicopter that I was flying at the time, that was, I was still a, a, a Blackhawk guy or a Pavehawk guy at that point. 
and I'm mm-hmm. and like they I know we don't have any pay box in DC, but I I need to get back home. I mean, my family needs me right mm-hmm. now. I, I happen to be the executor for the, the wills of, of my, you know, my parents and, and I needed to mm-hmm. sort a bunch of stuff out for my family. I just needed to get back home. And I'm like, I know that's, it's nonlinear. The, the kind of the assignments guys don't have a job for me there, but I, I need, I need to get back home. And he, he did it. And, and he found a way to like, kind of think outside the box to get me a role back in DC. And it ended up being so important to me, you know, and, so I guess these these qualities that these influential leaders have, it's around trust, it's around integrity, but it's around true empathy and concern for those people under their watch. And, and I think those three things combined just make you someone that you, you want to follow. You know, we talk about following someone in a battle. You just want to whatever your job is, you want yeah. to follow them. And, and that's, you know, that's that's the thing that I've always kind of been, um, you know, tried to be to the max extent possible is the sort of individual that people want to be a part of, you know, that, that thing, you know, that, that, that you've created. I think you've just unequivocally reframed the concept of influence for me. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, right on. For those that don't know if you can hear outside, they've just started mowing the lawn. So you'll just have to put up with it because I'm not stopping this podcast for anything. It's <laughs> awesome. One of the things that in listening to your story, one of the things that, that came up that again, I think is um, an element of leading in, in an uncertain world Bill, is how do you, and whether that, that's in the culture of Salesforce or your own leadership culture, how do you deal with mistakes and failure, both for yourself and your people? I mean, you know, that story that you just shared with us, that mm-hmm. a, a mistake there costs lives. Um, and, sure. and obviously you can get perspective on that. But if it's mm-hmm. not a life, you know, a life costing type mistake. Um, How do you, how do you help your people fail fast and fail forward or whatever it is that you do? Um, One of the things, and this goes back to the Air Force stuff too. And again, I I mentioned at the beginning of our discussion, Claire, that there's so many parallels and so many things I learned from that first half that have helped me in the corporate world. This is another one of them. Um, We had a, um, it's a kind of a military tradition every every office has its squadron bar or whatever so on fridays we'd uh turn on the beer lighters literally one of those cheesy neon signs you know that said the bar was open and we'd uh um <laughs> and we'd all we, we, we uh, we'd all we'd all gather around and um have have a have a have a beverage and kind of talk about um our week and and share the, uh, what we called there i was stories you know there the you know there i was you know in, in this dogfight or whatever the case may be, like, you know, talking about a mission that had been flown that week and lessons learned from it. And that included successes for absolute sure, but also failures and mistakes that were made. And mm. it gave us the opportunity to kind of learn from each other so that ideally we could replicate things that went well and also yeah. to kind of learn from each other's missteps so that we wouldn't make the same missteps again and we didn't need to go through them um, personally. And and it, cre- it, yeah. it created this kind of environment where people felt comfortable to share those with each other and and in as much, uh, you know, again, help each other be better. And, and I've tried mm-hmm. to carry that forward with, with my current um, kind of professional life too, where we absolutely do that now in the office. And, and we share those, yeah. there I was stories, both for successes and failures. So, so I, I think is, is again, like so much of the stuff we talked about earlier is being kind of raw and vulnerable mm. in, in, in your personal life. I think it's also, mm. you could argue in the, your professional life, it's that same rawness and vulnerability that if, if, that if you kind of lead with that and, and, and oftentimes it's sharing my own mistakes and, and, and being able to say, Hey, this is something I could have done better. And I messed up and I learned from, and I think it yeah. gives people permission almost in that setting to do the same. And then, and then people are just kind of grateful of that. And, and, and the other thing too, is I also think that we've created an environment where in many times we'll have those conversations amongst, you know, I have, I have nine direct reports Mm-hmm. I, I, there's times my boss will join us for a lot of our meetings, but there's times I, I respectfully ask him not to join because I just want people to feel safe with our little group, I guess, you know, because yeah. oftentimes they may feel 
comfortable sharing in a smaller setting than they would in a, in a, yeah. with a wider audience. And I think it's important to balance that too, and make sure that when you create that environment where people share their failures, they feel kind of comfortable with whatever the setting is. Um, and in as much they know they're not going to be kind of judged by any way, shape or form, but actually kind of celebrated for, for helping other people out. Yeah. I think you just hit the nail on the head in, in terms of another mm-hmm. pillar of, of, I think I'm going to re rename this podcast leading with integrity because that's what it's been about from beginning to end right um, is mm-hmm. creating that psychologically safe environment for people. And you would exactly, you I, would have had to have done that in, throughout your career because you, you, no one could afford to cover up a mistake, I suppose. No. And again, I think a lot of times when you're dealing with literally life and death situations, you develop habits that that absolutely pertain just as much to the more you know day to day challenges we face. Mm. But if you kind of apply the same concepts there, then then you're never mm. going to go wrong. I think, and and that's that's kind of what I've tried to espouse for sure. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> sure. What's yep. um, what's an area of leadership? that you mm-hmm. still haven't ticked the box on, that you still want to develop in? I mean, obviously, there'll be lots of areas. We never tick the box to sure. say that we're the perfect leader. But what's one maybe that Absolutely. you struggle with, Bill? Um, It's probably, the, you know, doing the, the tough stuff. Like, you know, meaning that, like, when you're delivering difficult news or, mm. or you know, having to kind of correct, uh, you know, someone or even even worse if you ever get to a point and I've, I've been blessed thus far i haven't quite got there but we have to mm-hmm. you know let someone go because they're not performing to a standard that's required of the organization um I, i'm just such a, a people person i i i'm not afraid to say it i love my teammates i love the people on my team yeah. like you know so yeah. um sometimes it's it's difficult for me to deliver hard news and um and particularly if someone's not performing up to standards to um, to deliver that sort of information to them. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's an ongoing challenge for me to kind of to figure out the best way to do that so that it's effective and, and we get the kind of behavioral changes that are required there, mm-hmm. but in, in such a way that they never forget that they're cared about as a person. And, and that's really what I always come back to is is I think that no matter what happens, people know that. And, and, and that's, that's how I need to almost, I, I think almost give myself permission to deliver difficult news and, and to realize that I've earned that almost like kind of respect that they know I care about them as a human. Um, and, and that, you know, and, but, but it's, again, it's, it's probably the area of, of, you know, most significant growth for me is to, to be able mm. to deliver that difficult news when, it, when it's needed in the professional world. Cause it is at the, at the end of the day, there's times things don't always go smoothly and it's, how do you, how do you deliver it in a way that's going to be received well and is not going to be taken personally um, is, is something that's always a challenge. I think. I think that's a huge lesson. I think you can still deliver difficult news empathically. Um, definitely. And I think it's, it's that, it's that empathy. And I think you have that in bucket spades. And if ever I wanted to hear bad news, I think you'd be the first person. I'd to hear it from. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I could talk to you all day. Um, this has been so enlightening and, and I just really want to thank you for your authenticity in your, in your stories, both from your professional and your personal life. And I think um, I'm probably going to rush to get this podcast out sooner than I was planning to, because I think the messages that you've got, Bill, are so, so pertinent for what we're going through at the moment. So if... Well, thank thank uh, you so much, Claire. Oh, you're so so very welcome. And, you know, if there was, I don't know, one one or two key messages, I know we've had wonderful threads throughout the whole of the podcast. But if there was yeah. one or two messages that, that you could leave our listeners with that might help mm-hmm. them in how they're leading their people with integrity, what would your, your little nuggets of sage advice be to them? Sure. Um, it, it, this is going to sound kind of morbid when I say it initially, but um, uh, bear with me. So it, it's actually a mm-hmm. quote from a, a former American Indian chief. So this is back back in the day, you know, back in the uh, 1800s. 
um, early 1800s. And before he kind of went into battle, he would he would you know have the the cry that he would say, "Today is a good day to die. Follow me." And and what he meant by that basically is he was at peace with who he was as a person, so that whatever happened to him that day, he had no regrets about where he was at as a human, where he was at with his relationships, you know, where he had nothing left unsaid to his mom, to his dad, to his siblings, to his coworkers. They knew who he was and what he stood for. It's another another poem that we used to recite when I was at the Air Force Academy called The Man in the Glass that kind of followed that same concept that you can't you can't fool the man in the glass when you when you look in the mirror. And and again, just being at peace with who you are, what you stand for. I, I, I absolutely do. I'll pass it on to you because it's one of those deals that I just think resonates so heavily with me. You just because you can, you, it's the the whole concept of it is you can fool the whole world, but you can never fool the person on the other side of the mirror. You know, yeah, so yeah. if you're if you're if you're at peace with who you are as a person, and and what you stand for, and and again to our what ended up being the theme of this talk at the end of the day, if you can kind of lead with integrity, um, yeah. then then you can you can go through almost anything, you know, and, and that's really what it comes back to, to, to me. Oh, what? A, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, yeah, you do. You, you have, you've influenced me in this podcast. I feel, um, I feel strong. I feel resilient. I feel competent. I, you know, I'm a bit, bit lost for words but that's just me being authentic at the moment as well probably i'm a bit emotional too um <laughs> so uh, right on clear thank you so much bill um i really appreciate the time that we've had and i could go on and you know that one of the themes through the whole conversation that you you talk so much about being grateful um and i can see that you you're a manager a person of huge gratitude and I'm so very grateful that you decided to spend the time with us today go well stay well and um we'll uh, we'll see you on the other side of all this that sounds great Claire and thanks again so much for the opportunity you're so very welcome Bill bye-bye bye-bye <laughs>